Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome our South Shore campus joining us right now, our Gulf Coast campus online here at Little Creek, and our newest campus, the Orleans Justice Center, that's joining us live right now. Come on. Can we just welcome all those? So good to have everybody with us this morning. Well, we are finishing up part three of a series I began three weeks ago. We're very excited. Every year, I love teaching on the Christmas story. I love the different angles that we can look at and and we began three weeks ago talking about the Christmas miracle. What is the Christmas miracle? We talked about the very beginning of that. There was a young teenage girl named Mary. Some theologians believe about 16 years old. She lived in Nazareth. And the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. And she was impregnated. She was impregnated with the Christ child. And we talked about that, that when God does a miracle in our lives, and not only changes our lives, but it changes the world around us. She received a gift, but we have received the gift of that miracle that Mary carried. So with that, we said, there is a pattern with this miracle. We actually called it also the Mary miracle. We said that when we need a miracle in our lives, number one, God will speak to us. Number two, God works in us. And number three, God ultimately works through us. Then last week we talked about, how do you know if this miracle, how do you know if this thing in your heart is this miracle from God? How do I know or not? Number one, we said, if you are about to experience or beginning to experience a miracle from God, number one, it takes you out of your comfort zone. I've had people say before, man, I'd love to see the miraculous. I'd love to walk in the miracle power of God. Here's my question. Are you willing to actually be placed in a position where you want to see the miracles of God? where you need a miracle from God. It'll take you out of your comfort zone. God will speak to you, cause you to tell you to step out, start a business, or believe for a salvation of a loved one, or uh, some addiction that you're believing to be broken off of somebody's life, and you're believing God. Let me tell you, God may ask you to go pray for that person. Are you willing to be moving out of your comfort zone? Are you willing to do something that's a little bit outside of the norm? How else do we recognize a miracle? Miracles are also bigger than us. It's, it's beyond our natural mind to figure these things out. Today, I want to finish up our series, and then I'm really excited about our upcoming Christmas Eve series and our services, and then our January. Lots of stuff coming great here at Church of the King. But I, I want to talk to you about the number one. And I know that's a radical statement, but I believe it's the number one thing that blocks God's miracle power in our lives. I want to talk to you today about the danger of unforgiveness. I want to talk about how the things that I believe that can hold us back. Listen, I told you last week, man, write down your goals for 2017. Believe God. Write down those big goals that you're believing God for. I believe professionally and personally we should all be doing that. But the number one thing the number one thing that can hinder you experiencing what I believe God's new dreams, God's new vision, God's miracle power in your life, the number one thing is unforgiveness. Speaking of unforgiveness, I heard something funny this week about an elderly man, old Joe, that was in a hospital. He's experiencing very poor health. For years, he'd had a great friend, Bill, and they'd had a falling out, and old Joe was about to pass from this life to the next, so he calls old Bill into the hospital room, and he says, Bill, I got to talk to you. It was hard, actually, for Joe, Joe to get this out. But he said, Bill, I got to talk to you. I know our relationship has been, well, it's, it's been a little bit frayed. And, and, uh, and the reality is, is we've not been on the best of terms. 
And I realize that I'm about to pass from this life to the next. And so I, I just want to say this. And by the way, he reluctantly said it. It was hard for him to get it out. He said, I just want to say this. He says, Bill, I want you to, I want you to, I want you to forgive me for those things I said about you. And Bill, I want to say this. I forgive you too. Bill's face lit up, man. He was just like, man, that's amazing, Joe. I thought you would never say this. And of course, they shook hands. and Bill started walking out towards the hospital room, and Joe's laying in the bed. He said, hey, hey, Bill, I just want to let you know something, buddy. If I make it, all bets are off. <laughs> How many of you know we shouldn't have to be on our deathbed to make things right between us and God and us and other people? Y'all with me? But we shouldn't have to have face this crisis where we feel like, man, I'm about to pass from this life to the next. The reality is we're about to pass from this year to the next. Hey, I, I don't want to carry any stuff into 2017. You know, I, I've not seen a balloon race in a long time, but I... I remember seeing balloon races as a kid and I, I, I would see balloons and I'm talking about those big ones that keep, carry people. And uh, one of the things I, I realized is that watching them, that they'd have these little sandbags tied around them and, and, and the more that they would cut a sandbag loose, the, guess what? The higher, higher the balloon went up. Here, here's what I found out in the same way. The more that we cut loose those little bitternesses in our lives, the more that we cut loose those little things. Listen, I'm going to tell you, the Bible says it's often the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's those little offenses that we have in our heart that are secret that you still have towards a spouse that maybe you went through a divorce with or a business partner. You had a partnership. It didn't work out. You felt like he or she really wronged you. Maybe it's a child. Maybe Listen, and there's those little things in our heart, and you don't realize you're actually being weighed down. God doesn't want you carrying that into a new year. How many of y'all want to start 2017 fresh? Come on, raise your hand. Y'all want to start that? I, I, I want to start it fresh. I don't want anything in my life. I don't want anything in my life holding me back when I believe that God wants for me to experience in 2017. Forgiveness is a funny thing. It's often spoken of, yet seldom understood. It's even more rarely walked out. I mean, Forgiveness, really walking in biblical forgiveness. It's misconstrued. Listen, forgiveness is a concept that's often misconstrued in our culture. Or people really don't understand what biblical forgiveness is about. Speaking of not understanding forgiveness, a little boy overheard, was overheard praying, Lord, if you, if you can't forgive me and make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm kind of having a real good time the way I am. The fact is, is that sometimes, listen to me closely, Sometimes, if you really want to walk in biblical forgiveness, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you a little bit. It's going to cost you a little bit of your pride. Come on, are y'all with me? It's going to cost you a little bit, a little bit of your ego to really walk in biblical forgiveness. I want you guys to take your notes out at all of our campuses because what I did is our online campus, you guys can see those notes as well. What I did is I put a little graph up comparing and contrasting. This is where our culture sometimes doesn't understand what biblical forgiveness is. But what is biblical forgiveness? All right, check this out. Forgiveness is a choice, an act of the will. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Listen to me closely. The feelings, I've had a guy tell me one time, he said, Pastor, when I feel like it, I'll forgive. Listen to me closely. You make a choice to forgive because it's the biblical thing and it's the right thing to do. And your feelings have to actually follow your choice. If you're waiting, if you're waiting to feel this peace and this sense of serenity and then I'll forgive it, doesn't happen. You, you make a choice. I choose 
to forgive that person, all right? When you do that, feelings come after that. Here's another misunderstanding. Forgiveness is based on God's forgiveness of us. There are so many scriptures, and I'm gonna show you in the Bible, where we see that biblical forgiveness, watch this, where biblical forgiveness of us being forgiven by God vertically, how God forgives us, how it's so tied in. When God forgives us, we are to forgive other people. See, once you realize the weight and the debt that we've been forgiven of, it's much easier to forgive other people. Biblical forgiveness is based on God's forgiveness of us. Freely we have what? Say it. Received. Freely we should what? Give. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is not based on fairness. Well, I'll forgive them when they forgive me. That's not biblical. Here, here's another one. Forgiveness is commanded in the Bible as a lifestyle. It's not, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. Why? Because God knows when we're walking in unforgiveness how damaging it is to our own soul and our relationship with God, with others, and in our own soul. Let me give you this last one. Listen, oh, oh by the way, forgiveness is not a suggestion. It's not, it, it, is, it is a command. Last one, forgiveness is possible, watch this. This, what I'm about to say is, I don't want anybody to miss what I'm about to say. There is a big misunderstanding related to forgiveness. People often equate forgiveness with reconciliation. It's wonderful if reconciliation takes place, but it's not necessary in order for you to release somebody. That was really good preaching just then, okay? I want to say it again. Forgiveness, now, the first step towards reconciliation is you have to have forgiveness. But just because you forgive somebody doesn't necessarily mean that reconciliation is going to... Let me give an example. There are people that I've talked to and I've counseled over the years that have unforgiveness towards a, a, a mom or a dad that maybe have passed on. How can you reconcile with them? i tell you what you can do, and I've told people to do this, is often to write a letter to a deceased loved one, or maybe it was a spouse, somebody that you've got this, and to, re, to, to write a letter, first of all, to get it off your heart to God, and, and, and to, to pour out your heart of how, how that was a hurt, and, that was, and, then you, and then I verbally lead them through, I choose to, I choose to forgive, I release, the, I release them from that debt. And one of the things that helps is when you write a letter, maybe even put it in the box, or, or you just put it in a drawer somewhere. So let me just say this again. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and it's possible with only one party. It's wonderful when there can be reconciliation, but it's not necessary for you to forgive from the heart. We all need to experience forgiveness from God, and we all need to learn to forgive others. It reminds me of a story about a young girl actually making Christmas cookies with their mom. And she looked at her mom. She says, Mama, why, why is it that you have white hair? There's a little strings of white hair. I see you have black hair, but there's little strings. Why is it? And her mom, being a little bit, well, whatever. She says, well, I'm going to tell you why I have white hair. Because every time you misbehave, it gives me one more strand of white hair. To which the brilliant young girl says, Mom, then why does Grandma have all white hair? That's a smart little girl, isn't that right? I mean, you know, we all need forgiveness, okay? We gotta be real careful putting it on somebody and not looking at our own selves. Not, not evaluating our own selves. We, we, we're master. I know we're all good at that. I, I'm a master. We're all good at that. Saying what somebody else has to do, and yet it's hard to put the microscope on our, on our own heart. There's no time like Christmas in the holiday season when we come face to face with people that 
Maybe we have little things in our hearts against. Maybe loved ones. For some of you, I'll be honest, for some of you, this is a tough time. Number one, it's a tough time because it may be the first time or the second time that you're experiencing the holidays where you've not had that loved one that's been special to you. But there's another reason why, and this is so commonplace. It's because for some of you guys, you know that you're going to go to that Christmas party or that gathering together and that uncle is going to be there or that aunt or that cousin or that brother or that in-law or you may consider them an outlaw or whatever. And you've got a little something in your heart and you know every time this year you're going to have to circle back and you're going to have to deal with them. Let me tell you something. There is no greater time than during the holidays than to really, to really learn how to forgive from the heart. Listen to me. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends again. It doesn't mean that you don't have to have boundaries with people if they've wronged you. You can have healthy boundaries. Just because I have a boundary with someone doesn't mean that I have unforgiveness in my heart. But it does mean, it does mean that biblically God does not leave us, watch this, he does not leave us in the place where we have the right to hold unforgiveness in our heart. Listen, biblical forgiveness is both vertical when we receive forgiveness from God and it's horizontal when we extend it to others. Let me show you. In Ephesians chapter 4, it's all hooked into scripture. Watch this. When we talk about forgiveness, there's a parable, by the way, in the Bible where it talks about how God had forgiven the debt or this, this, this owner had forgiven the debt of this individual. And then this debt that this individual that had been forgiven so much had gone out and held somebody else in contempt. The concept is we've been forgiven so much. We've been forgiven so much by God. How, how dare we? How dare we hold others in contempt? Listen, it's all in throughout the scripture where our forgiveness from God and our forgiving others, it's, it goes hand in hand. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. What's that next word? Say it. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. How much has God in Christ forgiven you? The Bible says in the book of Romans, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God's forgiven me of a big debt, man. I know that. How much more, listen, how much more should we forgive those? How much more should we forgive those that have sinned against us? What is forgiveness? I'll tell you what it is. Here's a definition. Forgiveness is to show oneself gracious, kind, benevolent, and to grant pardon to someone, to release them from their debts. Listen to me closely. Forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. It's wonderful if we can have reconciliation. That's wonderful. Forgiveness is the first step towards reconciliation, but it's not always, it's not always a part of it, particularly if the person is deceased that you've had unforgiveness towards. Matter of fact, I heard somebody say one time about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is like you drinking poison and then waiting for the other person to die. You, you're the one that's being damaged. You, you're the one that's being hurt by that. Forgiveness is releasing the person of their debt. It's releasing another person of what you think that they, quote, owe you. All right, let me give you three things about biblical forgiveness. You guys into this today? All right, all right, I, 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 again, are you ready to go into 2017 free of all unforgiveness? I know I am. I know I am. And I don't want anything holding me back. I don't want anything. And let me tell you, as a pastor, sure, there's little things that come to you at different times. Now, most people overwhelmingly love their pastor. Come on, just be honest. But there, there's times when little comments come, and I've got a decision to make. I've got a decision. Do I, do I release that person? Do I forgive that person? Now, I don't have time to go through all the 18 different steps of biblical restoration, going to the person. But I do want to just 
generally cast this thing that all of us can meditate on as we go into a new year. We have to receive forgiveness from God when we have sinned against God. And number two, we have to forgive others when they've sinned against us. All right, three things about forgiveness. Number one, I want to start on the macro, and then I want to go to a real micro perspective. Number one, God's forgiveness for the world. God's forgiveness, God forgives. Watch this. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. The angel of the Lord speaks to Joseph in a dream, sharing not only Jesus' name, but also his supernatural mission. Here it is. And she will bring forth a son. An angel of the Lord is giving Joseph a message, all right? Here it is. And here's what he's saying. The angel of the Lord, as a messenger for God, is actually giving Mary and Joseph the name that they're going to call Jesus. Uh, they're going to call this baby, call G, name Jesus, and she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name, everybody say it, Jesus. Now that's a Greek word taken from the Hebrew word Joshua. Joshua means God, our, Jehovah, our Savior, all right? So when you, when you bring the Hebrew into the Greek, again, it is now saying, this is translated, Jesus, our Savior. By the way, Jesus was actually a common name in that time. It was kind of like the name Philip or, or Thomas or whatever. It, it wasn't some weird esoteric name. It was, it was something that was a common name. But you have to understand something about Jesus. It not only was a, a name, it also had a mission attached to it. Because he says his name will be Jesus, for he will save his people from their what? Say it, sins. So his name is Jesus, but his mission is to save people from their sins. I had a conversation with a guy one time. I says, man, have you, have you been saved? He says, what, what do I need to be saved from? I said, where do you want me to start? He said, no, where do you want me? I mean, what do I? And I said, well, number one, you've sinned against God. What do you mean I've sinned against God? Well, the Bible says all of us have sinned against God. The, the Jesus, here's what's so important about Christianity. By the way, by the way, this is what separates biblical Christianity from every other world religion. Our God forgives. Not based upon what we do, but based upon what he's done for us. As a matter of fact, you, you know, we have what's called baby dedications here once a month, and we dedicate kids unto the Lord. Did you know that Jesus, actually Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the temple to have somewhat of a baby dedication? They actually walked in one day to the temple, and this woman named Anna and this man named Simeon, when they looked at their child, here's what they said about, here's what they said about Jesus. Here's what Simeon actually said. If you pull it up for me, he says, my eyes have seen Jesus for my eyes have seen your salvation. He held the baby. Watch as Simeon was an old man in the temple. Mary and Joseph walk in, all right, with their baby to, to perform a ritual eight days after the birth of Christ. Watch this. And Simeon took the baby and held the baby up. And here's what he said. For my eyes have seen, to God, for my eyes have seen your salvation. In this baby was the salvation of the world. In this baby, watch this, was the forgiveness for mankind. I'll never forget when I graduated from Bible school. I graduated from college. And then I went to Bible school for two years, which was a missionary training school. I wasn't sure if I was going to go be a missionary somewhere and and uh, it was a tremendous thing. It was in Dallas, Texas. Then I came back and went to seminary after that. And I, I, when I graduated from Bible school, I went for three months to, to Asia. And the first month, I led a, a team. 
The second two months, I traveled to, to nine different countries and uh, preaching, and I had some names. This is, again, this is way before email. This is way before cell phone. I mean, this is, this is 1991. This is a long time ago. And, uh, and, and, but I did have some numbers that I called three or four or five months before going to these countries, uh, and I, I, I made some agreements. I said, I'm going to be there on this date, and, and can I meet you then? There were some alumni that were missionaries around the world from the school that I went to. And they knew some indigenous people that lived in these different countries. And I just wanted to spend two months uh, just by myself, just traveling and just preaching. And so I'll never forget, I was in Thailand and Bangkok, and I took a 12-hour uh, train ride all the way down uh, to southern Thailand, Thailand, and then I took a boat across to Indonesia and went to a place called Sumatra, Indonesia. And I remember getting off the boat thinking to myself, man, I hope four months ago when I called that guy that he really told that other guy that I was coming. I got word back that he was going to be waiting for me. So there was this Indonesian guy with a sign that said Pastor Robinson, and it was misspelled. Number one, I wasn't a pastor. Number two, uh, that wasn't my name, how it was spelled. But number three, I was real glad that that brother showed up. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you can call me whatever you want. Just call me. Just call me for lunch. And so they just call. And so, and so I'll never forget this guy. Now, what's interesting is he didn't speak what good English at all. At all. I rode for two weeks on the back of a moped around Sumatra, Indonesia, preaching. What's amazing is, is he was, he was, an, he was an absolute fantastic translator. And I remember speaking in this church <clears throat> and preaching in this church about Christ and his forgiveness to the world and how Jesus, watch this, how Jesus will save you. And here's what I said, Jesus will forgive you. I'll never forget. I said, it doesn't matter what you've ever done. It doesn't matter whatever sin you've ever committed. Christ will forgive you. And I remember people just crying. And I said, man, what, what, what's going on? And, and the guy, here's what he said. Here's what he said. He says, they never heard that God will forgive them based upon what God's done for them. Listen to me. Christianity is revolutionary because you and I can't do one thing to earn forgiveness. We receive forgiveness. How many of y'all are grateful for the forgiveness of Christ? Isn't that powerful? So, so powerful. We can be forgiven by God. Number two, God's gift of forgiveness is not only to the world, but God's gift of forgiveness is is for us personally. God has this massive gift of forgiveness for the world, but God wants to forgive you. Now, I know what some of you think of, Pastor, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what sin I've committed. I, I don't have to know that. But I didn't know a God that forgives. I can teach you about Christ forgives the world. And, and you, know, you know what happens to some people? Because what I call a shame-based nature, they feel like they've sinned so much, they've gone so far. Here's what you can hear. You can hear me saying, Christ will forgive. And there are some people that actually in their mind will discount themselves based upon what they've done because they think what they've done is worse than what somebody else has done because you know how that happens. We compare ourselves. The Bible says when we compare ourselves among ourselves, we're unwise. And because of so much shame in our lives, we'll think, well, God can forgive somebody else. Let me just tell you this, and I want to say this real strong, real loving, and real bold. There are not classifications of sins. When you and I have sinned, listen to me, listen to me closely. There is not one sin, because even in our minds, what we do is we classify. Well, I've done this, but that person's done that, and that's worse. No, listen to me. All sin 
is sin in the eyes of God. The Bible says, Romans 3.23, here's what it says. All of us have sinned and all of us fall short of the glory of God. But here's the good news. All of us have sinned, but all of us can personally be forgiven by God. It doesn't matter what we've done. Christ's blood is more powerful than our sin and he can cleanse us. He can cleanse us. He can forgive us. He can wash us free. When I was studying this message, something became so clear to me, clear that ever before all sin is relational sin. When we sin, we either sin against God or we sin against somebody else. And ultimately, we can also sin against ourselves. Do you know that when we sin, our sins are either against God, other people, or ourselves? Sometimes all three. All sin is relational sin. That's why forgiveness is relational. Let, let me give you an example, the Ten Commandments. Think about this for a while. I want you to think about this. Put your thinking caps on the, the Ten Commandments. The first, four, ten, the first four commandments are about our relationship towards God. Have no other name before me. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Don't have any idols. Okay, those are all, those are all, those things are sins against God if we don't do that. Then there's the Sabbath in there. Then the, then the last five are all about sins against one another. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Those are all sins against other people. Does that make sense? So all sin is relational and all forgiveness is relational. It's relational. Forgiveness, listen, here's what we have to understand. When we sin, listen, sometimes it's against God. Sometimes it's against other people. It's always impacting ourselves. I'll never forget when I gave my heart to Christ, I, um, there was three guys that I grew up with and, and, and when they saw me, give, I was a fresh, I was, I, I became a Christian October 26, 1987. One month before I turned 19. So sometimes I'll say 18, 19. It's because it's right there, on the, on, on the, right there on the line. I was a freshman in college. When I gave my heart to Christ, I was radically transformed by Jesus. I mean, I was radically changed. I started preaching to all my friends and sharing Christ and talking about, man, what Christ has done in my life. I was so happy. I was so happy. I, I felt like a, a, a load was off of my back. So my friends came in from college and there were different colleges during the Christmas break this time of the year. So two months after I became a Christian, maybe six weeks or two months, and they came in and they started talking to me, Steve, man, listen, oh, and they started, man, that's great, you're a Christian, that's awesome, you know, but, but, but you know, come on over, let's do this. And, and boy, they were just working on me and working on me and working on me and working on me. Well, well about, about an hour into it, you know, I, I just started partaking of things that I shouldn't have been partaking of and doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. And I, I acted like a complete fool that night. I blew my witness for Christ. I know, I know in front of them, they thought to say, what, Steve, come on, man. I mean, I thought you were a Christian. I woke up the next day, I felt horrible. And I realized this. I realized that I'd, that I'd sinned against God. Now listen to me, this is important. I'd sinned against God. I'd sinned against my friends. And I ultimately sinned against myself. Listen to me closely. You cannot receive forgiveness from God unless you actually call it what it is. It's called sin. Do you know our culture, we don't want to talk about sin anymore. We call it mistakes. Let me tell you what a mistake is. You missed a U-turn. Are, are y'all with me? That's called a Everybody say mistake. You know, a politician will sin or some preacher. Oh, you know, I made some mistakes. No, you call, that's sin. Are you with me? It's called sin. You can't be forgiven for, God doesn't forgive mistakes. He forgives sin. You are, you are pardoned from your U-turn, miss. You gotta own it. I've sinned. Everybody say, I've sinned. 
that's okay. That's, okay. That, that's healthy to say that. It's actually healthy in our culture. It's healthy. And you didn't sin because your mom didn't love you when you were a little kid. And you, no, you sinned because you made a choice to sin. Are you with me? You sinned. Say, I sinned. Okay, that's progress. And we can't blame anybody. We can't blame Fox. We can't blame CNN. We can't blame the government. We can't blame our neighbor. We sinned. But here's the good news. When we confess it, we can be forgiven of our sin. God can cleanse us. Does that make sense? So what's the point? God not only wants to forgive the world, he wants to forgive you personally. You personally, me personally. We can be forgiven by God. We can be forgiven by God. I woke up that next morning and said, God, I sinned against you. God, I, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And I also called my three friends. I said, guys, I sinned against you. And I also sinned against myself. I could preach a whole message about receiving forgiveness personally and forgiving yourself of past mistake. That's a whole other message. I don't have the time to do it here. All right, here we go. I got eight minutes and I want to finish up. Listen to me closely because we're talking about moving into 2017 with those, with those sandbags off of our lives. You guys ready? The number one thing that'll hold you back, the number one thing that'll hold you back in 2017 from experiencing God's best personally and professionally. Yes, People are affected on their jobs because you can't bond with pre people properly. You can't lead people properly. You can't execute professionally when you've got bitterness in your heart. It comes out with an edge. It comes out with a slant. Everything is tainted. God's miracle power is tainted. The new dreams in your life, the visions in your life, it affects you personally. It affects you professionally. I'm going to give you one last scripture. The greatest, in my opinion, one of the greatest places in all the Bible where it talks about mountain-moving faith, and it talks about what can hinder mountain-moving faith in our lives. Watch this. Mark chapter 11, and we'll close. Number three is forgiving others. Forgiving. Pull it up. Number three, our gift of extending forgiveness to others. All right? Here's what I'm going to talk about. Mark chapter 11, watch this. This is, I've taught this so many times. One of the greatest chapters in all the Bible on mountain moving faith and walking in the miraculous and walking in the supernatural and walking in the power of God. And, and, and here's what, and a matter of fact, I've put over my goals, Mark 11, 22, 23. You shall say unto this, well, let's read it. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. Trust God. When you trust God, for as surely I say to you guys, whoever says to this mountain, what's the mountain of opposition in your life? What issue are you facing that's bigger than you? That's what a mountain is. You shall say unto this mountain, fear, be removed and be cast into the sea. Oppression, depression, what is the thing that you're facing? Listen, that thing will be cast into the thing. And if you do not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things that you say will be done, he will have whatever he says. Whatever you speak, you speak to that opposition. Jesus says, if you'll trust in God and you'll speak to that opposition, the Bible says those mountains will be moved. I've taught this before. You guys heard this. Matter of fact, verse 24 says this. Therefore, I say whatever things you ask when you pray. I've talked about believing big, praying big. Why? We need to pray big prayers because we serve a big God. We don't need to offend God by praying small prayers. We pray big prayers because God's a big God and he wants to give big answers. Now listen to me. When I say whatever you ask and pray, believe that you have received them and you'll have them. Stop right there. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Believe in God for big things. I'm believing God for big things for our church. 
2017, I'm believing that, that there is a thousand people that are added to our church in 2017. I'm believing for our South Shore campus to grow and reach new people for Christ. I'm believing for our, our North Shore campus uh, to grow and reach. I'm believing for our Gulf Coast. I'm believing for our prison outreach. Our campus is there, OJC. I'm believing for people to give their hearts to Christ, to be transformed by the power of the gospel. St. Tammany Jail, for people to be transformed. Our online campus, I'm believing for a thousand people genuinely to be born again 100% and added to our church. Listen, I'm not talking about just hands say, but but hands raised, but born again and added to our church. How many of y'all believe for that in 2007? I believe. Now watch this. There's only one thing that's going to stop our big goals. Only one thing. Some of you believe in God for your business to grow. You ought to believe for your business to grow. You ought to believe for you to expand. You ought to believe for increase. I'm believing for, my, for, for our church to grow. I'm believing, listen, I'm believing for Jennifer and I to grow in deeper intimacy with God. I'm believing in 2017 that I'm going to be a better Christian. What does that mean? More godly in my responses? That I'm going to have more of the fruit of the Spirit? That I'm not going to freak out? I'm, I, my prayer, Lord, may I freak out less in 2000. That's a biblical prayer. Come on, you know what I mean? That's, some of y'all laughing. You need to pray that prayer too. And may I freak out less. All right? But there's only one thing that can stop it. Only one thing. Only one thing. When you pray a biblical prayer and it's according to the will of God, there's only one thing. Only one thing. Pastor, what do you emphasize? I'm emphasizing this so much because some of you are not where you need to be in God. And I say this as a, as a, as a love. I love you. I'm your pastor, okay? My name is Steve. I'm your friend. I'm your pastor. I love you guys, but some of you are not experiencing the fullness of salvation. Some of you are not experiencing the fullness of what, some of you are not experiencing the abundant life that Jesus died on the cross for you to experience. The joy, the peace, it's because of this next verse. Verse 25, Mark chapter 11, here it is. And whenever you stand praying, if you have, everybody say it, what? No, God, you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand what my first spouse did to me. You don't understand. Listen to me closely. Some of you, and I say this as your pastor, I love you. Some of you are not experiencing intimacy with your second spouse appropriately because you still have unforgiveness towards your first spouse. My God, that was good preaching. <laughs> listen to me, listen to me. Some of you are not experiencing professional favor and success because you're still bitter towards the person that did you wrong and that partnership, and it comes out in your speech comes out in your words, it comes out in your life. If you have, everybody say it, say it, anything, anything against, oh my gosh, he's making it so broad. <laughs> Jesus, you told me I could have an offense against jerks. I'm sure it's in the Bible somewhere in the book of Leviticus. Come on, Jesus, work. Anything, it's pretty broad, man. This is broad, I'm trying to help you. 2017, come on, I'm trying to help you. Christmas Eve, I'm gonna be nice, pastoral, I'm gonna wear a black suit, red tie. The peace of the world, Jesus, but I'm gonna get in your stuff today because I want you to win in 2017. Come on, are y'all with me? Come on now, come on. I can't preach like this on Christmas Eve. It's, it's too strong, the people can't handle it. They're waiting for ready for light the candles. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that, but anyway, I'm sorry. And I understand the context, I understand that, I'm 48. But I know one thing, 
You're not going to experience the favor and the blessing that you're supposed to experience in 17 unless you get this one down. Anything against, remember that guy in the scripture? He goes, Jesus, this guy was a jerk. I'm not forgiving him anymore. How many times do I got to forgive this guy? Jesus said, I can't do the voice. I'm sorry. I, he said, I'll tell you how many times, 70 times seven. Or seven times, are you with me? It's like, it's, it's a bunch. that your Father in heaven may also forgive you of your trespasses. Oh, gosh. Why did you say that? Leave that out. Do you mean, do you mean I'm not going to experience the fullness of what God has for me? God, you weren't married to that person. Let me tell you what I'm not saying. I'm not trying to mitigate. I'm not trying to deny. I'm not trying to appease. I'm not trying to lower the fact and I'm not trying to trivialize. Some of you guys were really wronged. You were really wronged. It was wrong. And by the way, God saw it. God saw it. It was wrong what they did to you. It was wrong. I'm not saying it wasn't wrong. But I tell you what is wrong is the bitterness in your heart. It's actually killing you. They're moving on with their life. But it's killing you. Killing. You come to church, you want to experience God, and you wonder why. I go forward in God, and I go back. I go forward in God, and I go back. I'll tell you why. You got to get it out. You got to get it out. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Is this, is this helping? Is this helping? <laughs>